In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It's the season of Lent, a season to reflect and, and repent. I cannot think of a better passage to contemplate during this season than the one we just read, the story of the prodigal son. I'm going to ask you to reimagine the story with me the way Rembrandt did in his famous painting, The Return of the Prodigal. To get you to envision it, I need to get a little help. Josh, could you come forward? Josh, I think, will be the perfect prodigal, the younger son. And Ron, if you could come and be the elder brother. Now, Josh, you, you've left the sins of the flesh behind, and you've come and you're, you're kneeling down, and your head's tilted in humility. Your father is here. Now, elder brother, you're over here. You're not having any of this. You're looking centurious, angry, proud, and envious. There probably was never an artist more qualified to paint a picture of sinners than Rembrandt. Rembrandt himself was a prodigal. He had, he had spent his fortune with lustful and wanton living. He was a great and famous artist and made lots of money, but he spent more money than he made. He painted this picture in the last year of his life. He was 63, and he didn't make it through that year. This is one of the last paintings that he, that he ever painted. And he died a pauper, and was buried in a pauper's grave. And this picture is his own cry, Lord, I have been preoccupied with the sins of the flesh. Lord, have mercy. There's the older brother, too. The older brother has sins that are the opposite of the younger brother. The younger brother's sins, they're the easy sins. There's the sins of the flesh. The older brother's sins are sins of pride. He is he's erect and proud of himself. He is envious of the party that's about to be thrown for the young, for the younger son. He's got his, oh yeah, your hands are like this. The father wants to put a ring on the young man's finger. And the older brother, if you look at, if you look at Rembrandt's painting, he's like guarding his hand. Not my ring, you're not taken. And he's angry. In the picture, the father and the son have the same red mantle. They have the same beard. Well, I, I shaved this morning. And the, the younger is, a, well, he's a younger version of the father, except you can look like your father, but not be your father. Meanwhile, the father, and the father's arms 
form a halo of love around the younger son. Now, the, the Catholic writer Henri Nouwen back, um, spent days in the St. Petersburg, Russia Museum in happier days, just observing and contemplating and meditating on this painting. And one of the things that Nouwen observed was the complementarity of the father's hands. The arms form a halo of love around the, young, around the younger son. But one hand, the left hand, is wide and it's strong and it's masculine. And the other hand is small, petite, soft, feminine. And he wants us to understand that the father's love is tender when it needs to be and it's strong when it needs to be. And his eyes are down in pity, not in anger, not in reproach. He would look at both sons with the same eyes if only the one would realize that although he's physically been at home, He's been just as lost, just as gone as the younger son. Friends, the season of Lent is a time to ponder. Have the sins of the flesh preoccupied me and taken me to a far, far away place? And is it time for me to leave that place and run to my father? Because if I do, he will come running to me and he will put his arms around me. Others of us are in a far away place even if we've never left home. But we're so full of pride, so full of envy, and so full of anger and bitterness that we don't even know that we have wandered off and are lost. We need to know that our loving Father wants to throw the same arms around us and to break us of the sins of the Spirit. And then what your Father longs to do is to raise up the prodigal and put both arms around both sons, to have both sons embrace one another and for them to go together to the feast. Thank you, gentlemen. Did you notice in our Old Testament reading, it's a short reading, and what, what's that doing there? What happened, what has happened in Israel's life is Israel has just come across the River Jordan into the Promised Land. Remember, the, the first generation came right up to the promised land and the spies brought back, remember what they brought back? They brought back these big bunches of grapes, the kind of thing that you can make wine to celebrate. And they said, nah, this next generation goes across the River Jordan and follows Joshua, whose name in Greek is Jesus across the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And there they eat of the first 
fruits of the grain. They eat bread. What should have been in the first place a great feast of wine and bread that was denied is now enjoyed. Following the Passover feast, a great feast of enjoying the fruit of the land so that the manna doesn't have to come anymore. This day, you and I, no matter what kind of sin we are needing to flee from, whether it's sins of the flesh, whether it's sins of the spirit, this table is set for you. Grapes that have made delicious wine. Okay, it's pre-intincted right now, but okay. And bread that sustains us as we follow Jesus further into the land. Brothers and sisters, may this Lenten season leave you in a place where you have said goodbye to one world and hello to the wonderful world of God's new creation where you may be in your life a testimony to the righteousness of God. God bless you richly during this season. Amen.